You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey, that's um, that's pretty bad. One fourteen to one oh six. Raptors lose to the Phoenix Suns. Another disappointing game from Pascal Siakam, tying into the overall uh, slump that he's been in. That looks like it's due to fatigue. And uh, after being probably the most overworked player in basketball over the last calendar year, uh, still not in a good place with his game. Nineteen points, one assist. And three turnovers. Uh, this is, I think, Kirtika had a stat saying this is the first time, uh, you know, in a long time that he he's registered less than five rebounds or five assists in back-to-back games, and he only had three boards and one assist tonight. So that's that's a little bit worrying. Uh, just something to keep track of. Uh, if you're looking for a piece on it, I wrote about that at RaptorsPublic.com. Uh, you can just Google Pascal Siakam struggles. Uh, Samson Folk. He'll probably show up. Scotty Barnes, uh, not his best game, but I think a game where he looked impressive playing in space. Fred, Gary doing most of the scoring in this one and helping carry the Raptors for long stretches of this game. But ultimately, the Raptors, not enough poise as far as defensively and, and some some really impressive shot making from the Suns down the stretch and from Michael Bridges throughout. I mean, like that, he was really impressive coming downhill. 29 points for Bridges. Really, that should shock people a little bit. But the way he was working off of screens and stuff and getting into that mid-range jumper was super impressive. And DeAndre Ayton should have had 40. And, and the way he went up on some of these attempts was a little bit milquetoast, but he still finishes with 22 and 13. So the Raptors, they they end up falling to the Phoenix Suns. And Chris Paul, a lot of clutch threes. He is a guy who the Raptors, the last time they faced the Suns, heaps and heaps of turnovers. And that and that same team is not able to, well, I should say, with Chris Paul in the fold, those turnovers come way down. He's able to keep them a lot more in check and keep things under control. But yes, this is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk, and this is, of course, brought to you by Goldfinger Law. And hey, you go with Goldfinger Law, you know why? Looking for good representation? Hell yeah. And here's the kicker. If you go with them, you only pay if you win. There's obvious benefits to not having to pay if you lose. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody knows that. So if you're interested, contact them at 416-730-1777. So these Phoenix Suns, they host the Raptors and they beat the Raptors. And we're looking at a very familiar style of Raptors game where it just there's one area of the game where they don't manufacture points for a long enough stretch. They've been great offensively lately, right? Really, really impressive. This game, they only score 106. They have stretches and long ones where they can't manufacture buckets. They also have stretches where the defense lacks a little bit, where it's, uh, Lewis Sassman said, one in seven possessions where they couldn't care about it, right? And it's it's kind of, it's this happened during the Tampa season. I've referenced this 
thought this line of thought, this train of thought before, but if a team doesn't know how to close games, it will show up repeatedly throughout that season. If a team doesn't know how to win and they, they feel like they're at their wits end, if they feel like, you know, the voice in the locker room, whatever's going on. I'm not saying those things are necessarily true. Just that you're looking for a motivator talent, the earth of it. Uh, maybe the culture is not there, whatever it is, they can't win. You will find the lumps during the, during the season. And the Raptors are finding those lumps. There's been so many games this season that are with our, with, within arm's reach that are there for the taking for them, you know, different grades of, of, you know, can they grasp it versus it should be right there. It's right there. They lose all of these games, man. And <laughs> When you lose this many games, you have to wonder about what, how good is this team, right? We've talked about this too. Now it's 23 and 29. We inch closer to the trade deadline. And this is a team with a 44% winning percentage. What happens here? You know, it's tough to tell. We'll table that for now, though, and say that. Uh, one of the brightest spots, of course, is that Precious Achua. Once again, pretty impressive game. This is one of my favorite things to pay attention to. So same with Scotty, as I talked a little bit earlier, though, the way he's able to play in space sometimes because he does end up shooting 6 of 14, which isn't anything to write home about. 43% for his shot profile, not great. But his four, he had four misses from beyond the arc. And so 6 of 10 otherwise, I'm pretty okay with. And, you know, whether it's in the pick and roll, off the catch going downhill, or pushing pace in transition, taking that bump, getting it up at the rim. He's really talented in space. And like close quarters, he has a tough time shifting guys uh, out on the perimeter, right? Shifting guys, you know, making them move. That's fine. That's not really his game. But you can see him, man. When he gets to put like one dribble down, decide what he wants to do in space as a roller, pushing, you know, everything listed earlier. He's really special. Those long loping limbs and the touch to finish at the rim. And if somebody's in the way to body through them, still maintain that touch after that contact. It's all really, really special. And we saw that in this game. And, and same with pressures too. 11 points, 12 boards. We are not looking for every game to be the 27 point precious to two game. What you're looking for is for every game to be the 30 to 35 minute precious to a game tonight. 34 minutes. This is huge. I know OG isn't there. OG isn't playing. And so we're looking at he has minutes to fill. Maybe this wouldn't be the norm. But with this context currently in place, whatever the Raptors look like post trade deadline, because again, I mean, there's a game on the eighth, the Spurs. And after that, the Raptors, you know, it's it's trade deadline day, the February 9th. And OG Ananobi, they're reevaluating him at the end of this road trip so with og fred gary all the guys who have been in the rumors what happens with the raptors precious should have a pathway after this trade trade deadline if the team has changed he still has to have a pathway to minutes and if the team and and even if it hasn't is what i'm trying to say you just have to make sure this guy's playing and the cool thing is that in this game like it has been as of late even though the numbers don't pop here necessarily as big as they have you know in recent games getting him out there for what he provides defensively, the improvements inside the arc as a big man. There's there's still some nice stuff. Like he had this, this really nice step through against Aiton. And uh, I saw some people saying it's reminiscent of the Philly series where he got, I mean, he had a couple really nice step throughs against Joel Embiid. 
um, and and one against Joel Embiid, even where he went to his right hand and then set up the right hand and stepped through with his left, and it, it just really nice moves on the inside. And we're seeing this kind of play out more consistently in these games. And so Precious Achua will have plenty of time to work on his space creation and all the really interesting wing adjacent skills that he has and all that kind of stuff. But what he's done to really help the players around him and to help boost the floor of his game. So it's not so inconsistent. It's like, Oh yeah, is this the game that precious is going to just obliterate guys in space and he won't lose the handle and he'll finish at the rim through contact. It's like, I don't know, maybe that's every third or fourth game right now, but he's making it so that every game he'll roll He'll finish at the rim. He'll go try and climb the ladder for lobs. He'll play his butt off on defense, all this kind of stuff. And, and he'll set screens and he'll move well off ball. And it's like, this is what brings you to being a really good player really quickly. Because he just has to justify being on the floor so his defense can be out there. Because everybody knows how good his defense is. And everybody knows how tantalizing the, the top end of his offense can be. Where's that middle ground offensively? that you'll be able to provide when there are better players on the floor with you and when you're not really feeling it until you've worked and developed your skills until you are, you know, maybe a star someday, right? This is what we're seeing. And this is the most positive takeaway I have from the Suns game is that Achua and Barnes still continue to show flashes, still continue to do great things. And who knows if you're a fan of this team, I hope you like those two players because that is the future. Um, I talked a little bit about Pascal Siakam's struggles. 19 points isn't going to cut it. The creation isn't going to cut it. And I don't necessarily blame him because when you watch, you know, I think there is some, you could blame some of the decision-making. Some of it is like, damn, maybe he's hanging on to the ball a little bit too long. Maybe he's trying to force it, right? And it's, it's tough to blame him because this is a star. And this is a guy who is hanging on to possessions that, he used to be able to create of earlier in this season where he was, you know, dominating in these spaces, but the step is slower. The handle's getting a little bit more loose. The guy is really tired. He's forced into more jump shots. He's trying to get in, like he's trying to foul bait more often. He's gassed. And, you know, I wouldn't say it's necessarily to the detriment of the team in that, you know, everybody else is being like, you know, disregarded on offense. I don't think it's that severe or anything, but it's to the detriment of the team in that they're used to playing with a certain level of Pascal Siakam, and he's just not at that level currently. Slumps happen, but this one you can see it's not like a loss of touch. It's not, it's just a guy who's gassed, who's really tired. And, um, you know, he just doesn't have it throughout all these games and hasn't for a little while. It's It's a little bit concerning, as I talked about at the top, but... Man, in in this game, finishing with 19-3-1, really disappointing performance. This, you know, I know Michael Bridges and Ish Wainwright and Tory Craig sit across from him. And, you know, there'll be like, you know, Chris Paul and Josh Akogi on on digs and stuff like that. And that's that's truly, that's pretty tough to face. And DeAndre Ayton waiting at the rim. But Pascal Siakam is supposed to be good enough that he transcends the matchup standing across from him. That had been the case for a long time from you know, let's say January of last year to January of this year, a full calendar year, you know, however many months of actual basketball that is eight NBA months or something like that. He had been a guy who you don't guard one-on-one you guard as in a team concept. Other coaches have said as much, other scouts have told me as much, right? It's, this is how teams game plan for Pascal Siakam. Lately, 
it's been a little bit easier to manage him in, in single coverage. And the Suns, they found quite a bit of success. Sure, they they sent doubles when he was on the block because he's still really good there. It's not really about, you know, that first step or anything. And and they would send like Damian Lee, like go double and get the ball out of his hand. Sure. But this is still a guy who needs to be able to create from the top. And he's just not doing that right now. He looks gassed, quite like it's quite frankly, that's that's where it looks. And it was a bad game from him. Man, Gary, Fred, I honestly, Fred, I think that um, the switch from the Raptors to lean harder into rolling as opposed to popping has really benefited Fred. And I'll tell you why. Fred's easiest pass in the pick and roll is the pocket pass. It isn't the above the head pass either to the roller or out beyond the, you know, out beyond the arc to the the guy popping. It's the pocket pass. That is the one that best fits his frame. The pocket pass isn't that much about, you know, wingspan. It's mostly about the angle you and the roller create and if you're keeping the guard behind you. Now, wingspan doesn't really matter as far as throwing a pocket pass against the big because it's like you're the big is going to be in front of everything. So wingspan doesn't matter because wingspan would only get you the pass closer to the big, right? Fred being in that pocket pass situation is making his playmaking look way better. And the guys are way more willing to roll lately, i.e. Scotty, Precious in particular, Chris Boucher even, right? These guys are more willing to roll and it's been, it looks really nice for Fred's playmaking game. And this also coincides with a little bit of you know, uh, driving verve from Fred. He had two really nice drives tonight, like really applying the body, keeping on balance, finishing off of one foot, one hand, both his right and his left at different times. And that was really nice to see. Uh, The shooting, well, I don't think it's like all the way, all the way, all the way back. Two of eight once again. I think he was two of eight in last game too. Um, It's nice to see him hit a couple. And and I think he had a pull up in this game and one catch and shoot. But uh, Fred, a pretty good game from him. Um, offensively, I think if they would have gotten what they typically expect from Pascal, they might have won this game. But alas, they didn't. And Gary, we're still looking at it's it's impressive more than anything. I know like 21 points. I think Gary ended up with on 13 shots. It's nothing to write home about necessarily, but some of the possessions that he's getting into and Phoenix playing pretty good defense against them, shaking loose and getting to the rim. For Gary, I, I continue to be impressed. It's it's certainly not like a large part of his game, but it's a bigger part of his game than it was. And, um, you know, he, he's a shooter. He went 3 of 10 for 3 in this game, and he still draws the closeouts. He still gets teams to shape their defense, the gravity to pull and tug them into different places on the floor. It's nice. And it's nice to see him even if the three-point shot isn't necessarily falling, like in this game that he can still find his way to north of 20 points. Um, that's meaningful for him. That's meaningful for the bag he's going to command. And it's meaningful for his perception around the league. Um, it's like, as we saw in this game, right? Cam Johnson is, is an example of a really, really impressive shooter. Like really good. He went one of six for three. He ends up going one of nine overall in this game. Cam Johnson is a better catch and shoot shooter than Gary Trent Jr. He is, however not equipped with all of the same counters to being run off the line that Gary is. And that's why Cam finishes this game with four and Gary finishes the game with uh, 21. And it's not as binary as that, but I think it's a good place to look at 
contrast and compare how Gary has varied his approach more and has uh, allowed for more growth within his game to continue to score because teams, yes, they need the efficient offense, but teams also need the the middling offense through the lulls of the games to keep driving you forward. And Gary has gone has come a long way in providing that kind of stuff and still is finding time to make sure that he works in the efficient stuff as well when he can, when he's going. Obviously tonight, not super efficient or anything like that, but just a nod to what he's been able to do lately. And yeah, Chris Boucher, not not his best game. It's it's tough for him to finish on the inside, and this is something that's been popping up more often this season than it was last season. But and maybe maybe that's you know how much teams are spaced out. Maybe that's teams you know wanting bigs at home more often or something of that sort. Or maybe teams are better at ganging up after Chris gets the ball. Maybe he's getting the ball later than he was. Maybe the cuts aren't as effective as they used to be. He's just got more attention, more physicality. He's more contested on the inside. I couldn't tell you for sure, but he passed out of a couple. And, you know, this is a guy who got three offensive rebounds. You want that to be six points or or, or more, right? Passing out to a three or going up and getting it or something like that. But five points, 11 rebounds. The effort was tangible in this one. And I still think, like, Chris... When when this team is going well, Chris fits it exceptionally well, especially with the way that they like to play. And I certainly thought that um, he wasn't like a super hard negative on the floor tonight or anything. But Raptors, they just keep on losing. And um, I know they, they were like 10 and 10 in their last 20 coming into this game, but it was a really, really soft schedule. And, you know, you, th- you think the start of the season when the Raptors were hovering around 500 and navigating a super hard schedule and and injuries to Pascal Siakam, for example, and you say like, damn, you know what, where, where's this team really? They should be set once Pascal comes back and the schedule softens up and everything. And the schedule softened up and it was just more mediocrity. And that's that's tough to swallow. And obviously all the reports about this team, where everybody's mental is currently, right? How are their mentals? How are these guys taking it? And it sounds like, um, well, I, I can speak to this too, having um, been around the team, especially during that long homestand, uh, not currently around the team with them on the road. But um, yeah, the vibes are not where they have been in the past. The vibes, uh, whether it's this season or when I've worked games in past seasons, right? It's It's been a tough season for the Raptors, and I think it's weighing on guys. And the fact that they keep losing games like this um, weighs a little bit harder. And of course, it's going to. It's meant to in these types of games. It's just, that's the way it is. You're, you, this is your profession, to go out and win basketball games. And if you don't do it, even if even if a, a team is like, it's better for us to lose, we want to have like a better draft pick or whatever, I don't know. But man, uh, a player buying in on that, never. They want to win every game. <sighs> yeah, pressure, uh, I almost said the name. <laughs> Reggie Evans' award goes to Precious Achua. I think uh, he continues to hustle. He helps out on the glass so much. And um, his versatility to to play different roles in the defense is really nice. And he's still, uh, especially leaning harder into his screen craft, really makes him more Reggie Evans adjacent, even if he's far more talented. And Reggie Evans would tell you that as well, I'm sure. Um, the top quick reaction comment is from Niagara Dude. Quote, Another clutch tank loss if you believe a high pick is what we need. 
What else can you say? The Suns are playing without their top player and two other rotation players, and we still cannot close the deal. End quote. That's right. Uh, I don't know who is pro-tank or anti-tank. Well, I know some people who are pro-tank, and I know some people who are anti-tank. Um, I, I know that there's a, a raging war in the discourse between the two camps. Although, you know, it's a tough one to win for either side because I think, you know, for some people it introduces like a, an ethical aspect of how they watch basketball or, or their outlook on life. Like, you want to lose, you know? And if you're somebody who believes in that, I don't blame you at all. Why would you want to? Why would you want anybody to lose ever? It's it's hard to you know introduce the apathy necessary for like I don't care if my team loses because it means some guy playing in France right now might play for my team. I it's it's tough to get somebody who's like I watch this team every game and I feel good when they win and I feel bad when they lose, and it's tough to tell somebody like. No, you're supposed to be okay with this. And also on the other side, I'm like, you know, that guy in France or Scoot or any number of these really tantalizing, impressive prospects uh, that the Raptors haven't been able to, besides Scotty Barnes really, haven't been able to pick at the top of the draft over these however many years, um, you're feeling it on the roster right now. And I understand why people want more of those. And I understand people who say, Losing is the way to get them. It's just tough overall, you know. <laughs> it's uh, I understand both sides, and uh, yeah, it's tough. Thanks for writing in, Niagara dude. Thanks for listening in, listener. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Whether you got into this on YouTube, uh, or if you did, like the video, subscribe. Most importantly, subscribe to RaptorsRepublic.com. And if you're listening on the podcast channel, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. Appreciate you letting me chop it up with you. And uh, yeah, whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.